You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're not going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you can if you like. I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Simon. And, oh, before we go on and do anything else, we have had a an email. Oh, by the way, also, if anybody does want to find out what we had to say about Night Terrors, it was episode 155. So people can go back through our... Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't on that one. No, it was like for you. I like Night Terrors. It was... I gave in, it an 8 out of 10, and it was almost a 9. Yes, Simon, 8 out of 10, could have been a 9. Lee, 7 out of 10, I really enjoyed it, but I'm not allowing myself to go above 7 out of 10 because the subject was horror, and unless it conforms exactly to my stipulations, (laughs) then I can't properly enjoy it. Just turn it down a bit with the lighting and throw some fog in it, I'll be happy. And I gave it an 8 out of 10. So altogether, we gave it 23 out of 30 between the three of us, an average of 7.6 recurring. (laughs) <laughs> that's not bad <clears throat> no. yeah so after what you said last week about mm. oh, I didn't enjoy it no neither did I actually it turned out we did mm. it's like a reverse assumption so there now people have no reason whatsoever to go back to episode 155 because you've just spoiled the scores for them no but anyway if people do want to hear about Night Terrors episode 155 next week we'll be back with the girl who waited mm-hmm. but before then David Kitchen has written to us cool. from Australia. I think he probably wrote this about three weeks ago, but you know it takes a while for their mail to get up to the uh, <laughs> end of the uh, globe. <laughs> the internet wire goes from the middle of the earth. Uh, just like a giant vagina from Russell T. Davis's <laughs> imagination. What? What? Have you not seen Torture Miracle, Miracle Day? Day? Was that a yes. Oh, no, no, I Is haven't. Do you know what? I know. I, like, I ran out of steam after the second episode. Oh, okay. Well, we just pulled the last episode for you. It okay. turns out the Earth's got a giant vagina running all the way through its core. I mean, it is ridiculous. Don't watch it. Okay. <clears throat> it is possibly the strangest ending of anything that's ever been on television. Definitely watching that, then. <laughs> oh, not in a good way. Oh. Yeah, no, certainly not in a good way. I'm surprised there are no memes up there with that. Shot then. It's giant vagina. Yeah. Are there? I would imagine so. I've never come across it. Well, type into Google. Giant You've vagina used running to through the centre of the earth. <laughs> Let's see what happens. No, Lee's still got safe search on. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> true. Actually, I have. You you've, got, you've got to control yourself somehow. <laughs> oh, my God. Is this staying on, is it? <laughs> this bit? Well, as long it. as nobody Fs or Cs. Okay. That's I never edit. Better. You know I don't edit. <laughs> Honestly, it wouldn't. Oh, everybody listening would have known what I was talking about, and nobody would have bad an eyelid if Simon hadn't. If you're under twelve, just go and look it up in the encyclopedia. No, don't. <laughs> what giant? What? Really? Torchwood. Oh, okay. Okay, dear blue boxers, I just wanted to email and say how much I'm enjoying your revisits of series six. Some honest and interesting discussion and opinions. The blue box team at their best. 
Mm. Keep up the good work. Was Regards, that, David. No, don't worry about it, Lee. It, it well, took all that time to say you've that. You've definitely hit the thing. Mm. Sorry? Okay. Yes. Took all that time. Uh, I'm glad it was positive. Mm. We were all here for Hitler last week. Hopefully we'll all be here for the girl who waited next week. But until then... Sounds like a Mel Brooks song. We're all here for Hitler. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> Can we see like Louis Armstrong? Oh no! Here we go. If I sound a bit rough, it's because I've been doing Louis Armstrong impressions for the last twenty minutes. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat them now. <clears throat> That's a shame. I'm the king of the swingers, yeah, jungle VIP. So, what is that in front of you there, Jr? I've got a cough again now. <laughs> it's not easy. We are doing. Was that Louis Armstrong? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was as near as I get. No, no, Is I that... mean the original. No, Louis it was Louis Prima. Right, okay. I don't know, for some reason, I always had it in my head. It was Louis Armstrong, so I've always sung it as Louis Armstrong. Well, it's somebody doing I bought a... the Jungle it's Book last doing... week and found out it's not. <laughs> but I think it's somebody doing an impression of Louis Armstrong. Or at least they kind of... No, it's Louis it's Prima. It's probably it's probably it's Louis okay. Prima. Okay. People assuming Alla Jones sings Walking, Walking in the Air in the Snowman. It's not. No, because he just sang the single that came afterwards, didn't mm. he? Yeah. A bit like people thinking, um, what are they called? That dreadful rock band. Who Panther? Did... No, uh, dreadful oh. indie rock band. Um, who probably aren't all that dreadful at all, really, but doing the theme from The Office when, of course, it was Rod Stewart. Oh, oh. Stereophonics. Yeah. And they just did the same. They're not an indie band, they're a pub band. <laughs> dreadful rock, I said. Mm. Dreadful indie That's rock. That's hilarious. <clears throat> right, we are doing six... Well, we are going to try. I've brought some Doctor Who ones just in case it fails miserably. Right. We're going to do six degrees of film snap. Okay. So I have in front of me cards with approximately 100 sci-fi, fantasy and horror film oh. titles written on them with one or two... Are there, are there any foreign films? No, of course I'm not. out. <laughs> no, no American films at all, Matt. Pretentious pots. <laughs> right. Yes, American is foreign. You do realise oh, that, right? Yeah, yeah. I meant non-English language. Oh, well, you mean foreign language. I do. Right. No, there, there are American ones in there. <laughs> <laughs> Independence Day. Independence Day is probably in there. Okay. I tried not to pick anything too obscure. Because, un- well, when we do Doctor Who Snap, right, mm. all four of us will know all the stories, mm. at least to a degree. But if you're doing films, there will be films. And there are a bunch of films here that I've never seen. So there will be a bunch <laughs> of films that each of us has never seen. Right. So we're going to go around in a circle. We are dividing into teams this time. Okay. All no, right. we're not. No, I'm not with Liam, I? No, I was going to be with Lee and you can be with Simon. No, we're seriously not dividing into teams. Okay. Because the chances, if we divide into teams of two, the chances of one of us not having seen one of the films and leaving it entirely on the shoulders of one person would be too much of a but burden. But we normally pitch in anyway, so teams yeah. is like pointless. Would it be too well, much I don't of have a burden? Pen How does that work out? A burden. It would be a burden on one person. It's a burden on one person if one person plays. <clears throat> How can it be a burden on one person in a team if the other person doesn't? If we divide into teams of two, and there are only two people on a team, and one of the people on that team hasn't seen the films, yes. then the burden is entirely on the shoulders of the other person in that team. Right. And if we're single and we have the same problem? 
No, we're not single. I can hear we're David. All four of us. I can hear David oh, Kitchen writing a new email just to revise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're not talking about series six. So oh, yeah, we're doing so well. I've got it's it. Careful. It's, it's, we've, already, we've already got all the Stereophonics yes, fans right. It's, a, it's a team effort. Sorry. We're going to pick them one by one, but we are going to discuss them as a foursome. Mm-hmm. Does that suit you, Lee? That suits me fine, JR. Superb. Simon, as soon as your sentence me left, pick a couple of cards. Do they, there's three rows there. Do I take them from... Well, is it a bit like Countdown? Well, one of them is sci-fi, <laughs> one of them is fantasy, and one of them is horror. Oh, okay. But I don't know which is which, because I just laid them out. Okay, and I'll when take I one say, from there. We're about to find out. One from the left and one from the right, please. Yeah, yeah. when I say one's sci-fi, one's fantasy, and one's horror, you know, to, to degrees... Right, I am revealing the cards. First card is The City of Lost Children. Mm. That I've never seen. Brilliant. Okay. And the second one is E.T. Children. Which you have. Um, <laughs> Both yeah. got kids in them. Right, before we discuss, Sorry. let's lay out the law for anybody who's not heard us do this before. We choose two cards, completely randomly chosen. We have to come up with a connection between the two items named on the two cards, that is not a writer, actor or director. You can't just say both directed by Steven Spielberg or both starring Harrison Ford because that's too easy. So it needs to be a connection between the themes. So City of Lost Children, is that is that Junet? Yeah. Junet and Caro, yeah. Okay. So in the City of <coughs> Lost Children... Obscure. Sorry. It's not, it's not obscure. Well, that's nothing. about as obscure as these films will get. Okay. You, you must watch it. You will love it. Yeah, Visually, it's, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. You look at me like, shut up, Lee. <laughs> no, no, no. But then, but it is really not that obscure. Give me, a, give me a brief synopsis and then I can make a connection. The City of Lost Children is set in a sort of alternative future present, which is all steampunk. And there's a mad scientist who's got an island in the middle of the Seine in Paris. And he's collecting orphan children. And he's trying to collect, I think... What's he trying to collect? Dreams? Because he can't dream. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he, it's very... Yeah, it's quite upsetting watching him trying to get dreams out of children because they're screaming and crying, aren't they? It's like Terry Gilliam does yeah. Roald Dahl. Okay. In French. Mm. Although, if you get the DVD, you get it... Uh, I don't know, depending on which DVD you get, you can get an English-language dub, which was... Um, made by them at the time they made the film. It's not mm. one of these ones that was dubbed afterwards. They deliberately did it that way in order to sell it in America and the UK. So it's not like some horrible crappy dub. It's quite a nicely done one. I, I'll say that. I've never actually watched it in the dub. Mm. Who were the heroes? Wasn't it a bunch of circus yeah. people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I can't remember who the main kind Ron of hero was. It? Was Ron he Perlman. the main hero? Was it? Yeah, I think so. And Dominique Pinon is in it. Um, oh, yeah. Don't it's all the usual faces from um, Chenet's films. Um, I guess. The obvious things is they've both got children in, like you said. Mm. Mm. But there's obviously that link between childhood. <clears throat> adults mm. looking for that connection to childhood. Well, it's adults not understanding children, but wanting to understand life through children because that's what Keys and uh, the various other people in ET. Eventually conclude is happening, I guess. Was mm. E.T. the one with Francois Truffaut in it? That's or is that Close Encounters? Okay. Yeah. E.T. was mostly from a child's pers- perspective as well. You, you saw lots of kind of half adults running about, uh, a bit like peanuts. That's why they called the main one, the Peter Coyote character, Keys. 
because they never name him in the film, but you only ever see him from the waist mm-hmm. down, and all you see is a bunch of keys on his work, <laughs> on his belt. So he's actually in the credits as keys. <laughs> I never noticed that. Mm. I don't know if there's a strong enough link between anything else, though, is there? I, mean, I think that's that'll do. Really Harrison Ford in certain shots, wasn't it? Harrison Ford in E.T., yeah. yeah. Was he cut out, though? Or was he in bits? Um, his, very, very briefly. Uh, he appeared in a proper full scene, which okay. was cut. Right. But the entire scene wasn't cut, so you actually get Harrison Ford from the waist down. Oh, right. Okay. But he, you would have had him from the waist up as well, but they cut that bit. Hmm. Do you want to pick a couple of cards, Matt? Oh, yeah. I think that's close enough on that one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Basically, this is just an excuse for us to talk about them. <laughs> Pleasantville and Starship Troopers. Oh, okay. oh, sweet Christ. See, this is why I thought this might not be easy. Well, no, there's, there's basically there's satire. So famously, yes. Starship Troopers is, well, yeah. we hope, massive satire. Either that or it's ridiculous. And Pleasantville, I haven't seen, but I understand that it's it's got to be satirical, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. Isn't it like a Truman Show style? Yeah. You watched it recently what? again, didn't you, for your 202, Pleasantville? Lee, I've been doing 202 at a rate sometimes of 10 a day. I have not been watching those films before writing the 200 words. But you wrote about it. I wrote about it. <laughs> Pleasantville is about, um, yeah, it's about people who are being sort of uh, boxed in and... Um, not allowed to express themselves and, and as done... soon as they start expressing themselves yeah. it's a black and white film where the black and white characters as soon as they start expressing themselves become colour mm. yeah which is a beautiful idea oh it is a, whereas Starship Troopers operates in the it's the reverse of that so on the surface to start with Starship Troopers looks like it's an ideal sort of gung-ho American action movie well, and then as it out. goes along you start to see <clears throat> Doogie Howser dressed as a Nazi and then yeah. you start to realise they're being really kind of. Uh, but it's not the dodgy. opposite. It's the same in Pleasantville. It starts out as idealised, right? And colour. I mean, because you take this back to Martin Luther mm. King and that, there are no coloured signs on that outside mm. of the shops and mm. that. It's like an idealised fifties, right? Yeah. But and so it's when people hit effectively the sixties. And and Starship Troopers is based on a fifties novel, Bugger which West. was serious about what it was saying yeah so it's so, start, the act the act of making starship troopers is kind of the equivalent of the story of pleasant so it's interesting how they managed to get hold of the the rights and make starship troopers and kind of take the the piss basically out of the author i'd imagine the estate of robert heinlein was more than happy to get a huge <laughs> amount of cash yeah. although if or you listen to the author of starship troopers he seems to suggest that he was taking it entirely seriously. Yeah. Which would su- suggest that it's Verhoeven who's taken the piss just in the way he's filmed it. Yeah. But, I mean, the script looks like satire. Certainly. Verhoeven he's played is, straight, isn't he? <clears throat> Verhoeven is always, you're never quite sure if he's taking the piss or not. And you generally hope, is, you generally, yeah. hope, you generally <laughs> hope that he is. He Otherwise, there's something actually. wrong with the world. Do you want to pick yeah. a couple, Lee? Yeah. From there. Turn them over straight away and let's have the films oh, as quickly as possible. Everybody's labyrinth. playing this for mystery. Yeah, you're right, actually. You're oh, right. Oh, nice. Well, okay. Right. Well, they're both down the rabbit hole. Hang, films, on, yeah. aren't they? Hang on, Labyrinth oh, and the Matrix. Oh, yeah, Labyrinth and the Matrix. <laughs> yes, we better say that nicely. Well, they're both down the rabbit hole films, aren't mm-hmm. they? Right, done. Next one. Yeah, they both feature emotionless puppets. 
Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, they both actually... Uh, I'm going to say it. They both feature absolutely terrible performances throughout. <clears throat> you don't like Labyrinth? I no. love Labyrinth. Which is the terrible I, I actually really like The Matrix Labyrinth, as well, yeah. if I'm honest. Well, Bowie's awful in it. And I've got to be honest, Ooh. Jennifer Connelly is a great actress. Isn't that much better? And I think there's there's there are two scenes. There's a scene from each film, rather, whereby one of the characters leans backwards off off of a building or walks up the side of a building into a into a room. Oh yeah, 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 of course. So that's as good as it gets for me. So nice. both, there are both sort of Escher, Escherish yeah. moments in yeah. both. That's what particularly I was going in for. Labyrinth <laughs> with the, the the staircases, but obviously the Matrix has bits of, must have bits of Escher. The digital Escher, yeah. Let's go with that. And and they both feature a choice between the real and imaginary world. The real and imaginary world, yeah. Oh. Mm. Right, I've chosen two films, which are The Terminator <laughs> and Alien. Not allowed to link the directors. Well, the, well the directors that's because one's linked. Ridley Scott yeah. and one's James Cameron. But I know. But duh, you know, duh. I know, duh. I know, but I mean, you know, there's one step. Oh, it's just one duh. step away, isn't it? Um, they're, both, they're both about weapons that are out of their comfort zones. They, they both on a mission. They both are also started debates about genre and what horror is and what sci-fi is and where sci-fi ends and horror begins. And these, I'm not going to get into the debates, but I've heard arguments for both about both films about yeah, both yeah. They're both massive, like you say, they're massively influential in yeah. the uh, sci-fi horror department. Yeah. If you'd have picked up Terminator yeah. and Labyrinth or Alien or Pleasantville, we wouldn't have that. Well, they're possibly so. the start of, well, apart from the B-movies of the 1950s, but they were kind of the start of a new wave of sci-fi horror. You kind of didn't have that. You had a, a period in the 1970s where sci-fi was just sci-fi mm. and horror was just slasher. And then you got Alien and then you got Terminator and it kind of shifted it slightly. But yeah. they are essentially both about created autonomous weapons on missions aren't they so yeah that'll do for that Simon mm. <clears throat> one from the top one from, one the, from middle. the middle The Exorcist hey. <clears throat> and Legend I watched The Exorcist last night wow The Exorcist <laughs> and Legend they're both well, about the it, it, devil turning up aren't they both extremely strong soundtracks yeah yes depends on which soundtrack you're talking about in Legend no they're both because well, Legend's got two soundtracks. I know, yeah. yeah. Dare I say it, Tangerine Dream, who are usually very critical of. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Didn't Jerry Goldsmith one's pretty good as well. Yeah, it is. So didn't... <laughs> is Tangerine Dream the band that... Who's the director of The Exorcist? My, I've got William a brain Friedkin. Part. Yeah, Friedkin. Didn't he use Tangerine Dream in Sorcerer? Yes. Yes, oh, he yeah. did. Mm. Okay. That's a great good. There is a link. That's fantastic. I don't know. I've never seen Legend. Right. Is that the one with Tom Cruise playing a yes. fawn? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he hasn't got great Is it teeth the one with Tim though? Curry playing the devil? Yes. yes. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen bits of Tim Curry playing the devil. Okay. As, it's great. The Exorcist is more frightening than Legend. Oh, I don't <laughs> know. It's more realistic depiction. <laughs> you said you've not seen Legend. You might change well, your mind on that yeah, if you ever did. True. But yeah, they're both films in which devils and demons whatever they're both about the fight between good and evil at its least existential oh, the exorcist is good it's a little bit weird this is like doing like i don't like the exorcist movie. i think Legible. it's terribly overrated i thought it was <laughs> and then i watched it quite a few times and i decided to jump on the bandwagon oh, what's my go i decided to jump on the bandwagon 
Oh. I've got Inception. Hey. And Alice in Wonderland. Oh, well, oh my God. God. But right, let's down down the rabbit. Yeah. Rabbit hole again, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, next. <laughs> Which version of Alice in Wonderland? Doesn't matter. But it would be the Disney one, I suspect. Okay. They both got in in the titles. No, oh, nicely nice. done, Lee. Yeah, That's really nice good. <laughs> yes, Inception no, and Alice in Wonderland. you down the rabbit hole. In the rabbit hole, whatever. Inception in there. Okay. That's... <clears throat> Do you know, I've still never seen Inception, but I'm going to ever since I found out that Johnny Marr's involved in the soundtrack. Oh, is he really? Mm-hmm. Can you just buy the soundtrack? Well, yeah, I could just do it on Spotify, couldn't I? All right, The Lee's... Omen and Jumanji. Oh, they're both about things that. Well, they're both about things that come out of not books, but Jumanji is about a museum that comes to life, right? No, and the other game. Game. No. Oh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah something of night at the museum. Yeah. But Jumanji is about yeah. a game that comes to life, right? Mm-hmm. So real things come out of a fictional construct, and the omen is about the devil arriving, essentially out of a book. But it's not some... really. But you know what I mean. There, They're um, both about is there things some... being brought to life. Is there something about things being brought to life through ritual? As well, that's yeah, that's and probably. I, don't, I haven't seen Jumanji. Well, I haven't seen Jumanji. I think yeah, I've there seen is a it ritual once. to Jumanji. But yeah, is it the start... sort of thing where they have to do certain things and then something? Yeah. Comes once you place. start playing, yeah, you've got to finish out your game. Okay. Whereas the Omen, there's this whole Leo McKern bit at the beginning, and there has to be a certain number of things. I mean, the whole story is about the certain number of things so that have to take yeah. place for Satan to manifest. Yeah, and, and then, then Gregory Peck does then something at the end to stop it. Well, that's yeah. Well, it's mirrored in the end because yeah. certain things have to take place in order for the okay, devil am I to right be thinking the omens of. Got a lot to do with the relationship between a child and father as well, because that's a strong theme in Jumanji. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched Cabin in the Woods a few nights ago as well, and that that picked up this idea of ritual. In Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah it sort of Evil Dead. It's it was a spoof of Evil Dead, so it's oh, a sort yeah. of deconstruction, and they're all in the basement. And there's Don't sort give of away the, the twist. There's sort of items in the basement that are all classic, classically will bring bring forth some sort of evil, and they're all kind of playing with them. Yeah. And that idea of ritual, and they're all going through the rituals of the different items, looking at film and, and stuff. So like in that. effect, that film is an um, amalgam of uh, the Omen and Jumanji, and also they yeah. both contain very strange and weird animals. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's the Blue Box podcast. <laughs> I'm just literally t- taking to anyway. Oh, can't. What's that say? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, right. I thought it said check. <laughs> uh, Fellowship of the Ring and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Wow. They're both very um, long pedestrian <clears throat> type of films, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> They're quest narratives, aren't they? Involving well, mountains. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Fellowship isn't necessarily, though, is it? That's Return of the King. Um, don't they go over mountains in fellowship? Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. They also but both of them, as you say, they're about quests, but true. ultimately they're all about relationships. Oh. Well, and isn't they're, that, they're isn't both that about like Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> because they're both about people who leave the family home behind to mm-hmm. go on the quest. Mm. So it's not just the quest, but it's what you leave behind to undertake the quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're le- that's right. So you're you're leaving something. You're leaving your comfort zone, but not only that, it, you will come back massively changed because you know he gets on the alien spacecraft at the end. Spoilers, and uh, you know, well, Frodo gets Frodo, on an alien spacecraft. Frodo gets stabbed by a Mordor blade, which utterly changes who he is as a person. 
They get stabbed that's, by a mortal blade. One good, one We bad. always go on about our Sunday afternoon Doctor Who's, but Fellowship of the Ring is one of my Sunday afternoon films. Yeah, it's a lovely, really, warm that, film. That's a whole Sunday afternoon, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I've chosen Star Wars and Groundhog Day. So Star Wars is the one, if I can remember it rightly... <laughs> With the with the space the space wizard smacking <laughs> smacking what does it say it's the space wizard and the dog <laughs> well yeah that's a, that's quite tricky isn't it that is a tricky one if if there are ones where we can't think of anything we just have to admit I'm, defeat I'm and bit, move on a bit bit tired when I watched Force Awakens I had a kind of a Groundhog Day reaction to it. <laughs> Do you know what? I was going to say that, but I just thought, no, I rise above it. I'm better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Groundhog Day. I'm going to think of something. (laughs) Yeah. Might take me all evening. Is there a link to um, Star Wars and Twilight Zone? Because Groundhog Day was originally a Twilight Zone short. Was it? Yeah. Oh, right. I'm sure it was. I thought it was just... I thought it was a script that, that... Languished for ages in the we must make this pile. Probably, but it came from but, okay. a, uh, an older. What was Andy Madawa ever in the running for Princess Leia? No, she was too late. She was, late. was, was Bill Murray ever in the running for Han Solo? Was Bill Murray ever in the running for Princess Leia? <laughs> <laughs> C3PO, maybe. <laughs> um, Groundhog Day is about a guy who obviously repeats the same day over and over. Mm. And Go Star on. Wars has had but, how many Death Stars? But why was he trying... <laughs> what, what was the point of Groundhog Day? The, the point was that he realises he's dying each time and coming back. So then he has a bit of fun with it, and then he gets bored of it, and then he realises, actually, I could chat up the girl, and then he gets that wrong, and then he realises he's learning as he goes. Every day he can learn the piano, he can do this, so he can build his skills in order to become a better person at the end of it. He passes. You got. <clears throat> well, Luke I was going to say. No. Well, were you just relaying the plot of Groundhog Day, hoping that some people crop up? <laughs> yes. Yes. Was, yeah. that's, that's okay. Like a, Groundhog a really Day bad student just is about an essay, a man keeping his fingers crossed. Groundhog Day is about a man who passes the knowledge on to himself. Star Wars is about one Jedi passing on the knowledge to another, over and over, again and again. Resurrection. Yeah, sort of. I'd love to see people's Pick reactions. Two more cards, listening Simon. to this, they must be screaming. And I've got There's one. There's probably something there. Yeah, but then that's the fun of listening yeah. to it is that you're kind of playing along yourself. Aren't I you? have right a Christmas Carol. Oh, oh lovely! My favourite. And Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I would go with um, what's the uh, who's the Richard Attenborough character in Jurassic Park? Mm. He sort of starts out. No, Abaricious. Sam Neill's character is the wow. one who undergoes the biggest mm. lesson because he's the one who starts Can't stand out. kids. But it's but it's the Richard Attenborough character who because it's his grandchildren and he's signed apart from them and he learns to be to be an actual grandfather by the end a bit like Scrooge. I mean, there's oh, lots of no. maybe there's lots of Scrooges in in Jurassic Park. I don't think he. And it takes dinosaurs to. I don't think it's Richard Attenborough who goes. That is Sam Neill, much more so than Richard Attenborough. Okay. But yeah, that is the connection between the two. Mm. Is that your? Is that that both of them include a character who's kind of shut off from the world, or at least part of the world, who by the end of the story, 
comes to have learned his place in the world. One is about um, are you doing? Are you doing? Are you just going to relate the story of one and hope something happens? I might. Do okay, that. go on. I might do. And one is about religion, and one is about the polar opposite of that, isn't it? It's Darwinism. That's true. That's true. Very good. There All right. Go. Shall we? There you uh, go, Matt. Matt, choose a couple of. Why is the Christmas Carol about religion? I don't know. Maybe it's got Christ in the title, and it's about Christmas. No, Christmas. No, no, no. <laughs> about forgiveness. And... Oh, so it's massively about religion. Isn't it? I've oh, got stuff. humanity. Twelve monkeys. Monkeys. Oh, how muskrats. many films do you know start with the word twelve? <laughs> twelve muskrats. <laughs> twelve monkeys. On, I'm sure there's another film that starts with twelve. Well, there probably is, but 12. what would it be doing here? And Jaws. I've got Jaws. Ocean's Twelve. And Twelve monkeys. Animals. <laughs> Ocean's 12 doesn't start with the word 12. <laughs> <coughs> Probably does in Japan. Okay, maybe. Okay, so what's the, what's the connection between Jaws 12, and monkeys 12 monkeys and Jaws? Good God. That is not... There's nothing <laughs> leaping out there at all, is there? It's not from a we... great big shark. Well, what? oh, yeah, leaping out. Well... It... If you look at the characters, Jaws isn't really about the shark. It's about Roy Scheider, right? Mm-hmm. It's about his obsession. It's a remake of Moby Dick in some ways. Yeah. Twelve Monkeys is also about a man's obsession. Yeah. And it's that man's obsession that ultimately ends up causing the downfall of the earth because it's a, it's a temporal paradox thing mm. where Bruce Willis, in attempting to stop the work, the apocalypse from happening actually ends up causing the apocalypse. So although that's not what happens in Jaws, in some ways there's a mirror in the behaviour of the two characters. Although actually, in truth, it's the opposite happens in Jaws. Scheider wants to shut everything down before the shark can do any harm, and he gets shut down, but gives in too easily maybe, and that causes his obsession. I don't know. That's very, very... <clears throat> they're both remakes. And am I right no, in thinking it's been a long time since I'd seen 12 Monkeys. Ad- when they, adaptations. Sorry. When they do the 12... When when they do the time travel, it's not. there's no special effects or anything like that. It's quite organic, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think so. So, just yeah. think, so the less, again, the less you see, the more effective it is. And the same with mm. yours. Yeah. <clears throat> you're All right, right, let's move on. Lee, is it you to pick? Go for it. Right, I've got Back to the Future... And Groundhog Day. And the oh, Texas no, Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> My God, we are getting some... We're right in the thick of it now, aren't we? What's that all about? Um, okay, so... All right, it's about young people out of their comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging up on meter hooks. <laughs> I remember that when Scooby-Doo comes up. <laughs> Well, Back to the Future is about a trip to the past, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre effectively is about a trip to the past. Mm. Well, that's it. It's city kids lost in the country, isn't it? In a Mm. backward place, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think we're going to find anything more than that, are we? No, I think there might have been a bit set on a ranch in Back to the Future. Anyway, what's Back to the Future 3, maybe. (laughs) Um, I've had sequels. Okay, I've picked two. I've got Carrie and Time After Time. Ooh. Oh, Time After Time's brilliant. Well, well yeah. it was when I watched it. I don't know if it's uh, brilliant now. You know the story of that one? Roughly. 
it's HG Wells after mm. Jack the Ripper, basically. That's what TV in the modern day. In the modern day, yeah. He uses his time. Well, modern Jack the Ripper. More than 30 years ago, don't forget. <laughs> well, it was the modern day when it was made. Yeah. Jack the Ripper steals HG Wells' time machine and goes to San Francisco in 1979. The time machine goes back as a preset to go back to where it came from. So HG Wells follows him to San Francisco 1979. Uh, is, there a, is there the, any. The connection. There's a lot of blood in each, both of them. Is there well, any other supernatural elements in Time After Time other than the time machine? Uh, no. They're just out no. of time people. Mm-hmm. And that's annoying. Yeah. Is it Nicholas Mayer? Time yes. After Time. Okay. The guy who did the Star Trek films. Mm. Or several mm. of them. Mm. Two, three of them. And he produced a new series, didn't he? He, he did. Exactly yeah. produced. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, Carrie that can't help, help killing people, can she? She's just going for the change. And uh, Jack the Ripper loves it. Not yeah. going for the change, killing people. Well, I'm trying to think of something a bit more deeper. Yeah, but nothing's grabbing me. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the way you look into JR's eyes and just say deeper. <laughs> I can, what? I can tell that just trips what off is, your tongue. I'm, I'm just <laughs> putting that out there. Is there something to do with authors? Obviously, that you know the fact that H.G. Wells appears in the film as a character. Mm. No, yeah, no. no. Not See, the thing is. Stephen King's not in the film, is he? He doesn't just turn up. <laughs> One of them is a very personal film about a very personal thing that's happening to somebody and it's something that's internal that's externalised. Mm. And the other one is essentially the other way around. It's about something mm. external that is being internalised by the characters. Or If you see what I mean, time after time is about the science fiction, but it tells a character story about the science fiction. Carries the other way around. It tells a sci-fi horror, horror story. Yeah fantasy story about uh, you know something psychological yeah. and physical so they're the opposites really okay is it me are we playing opposites uh, now whatever <laughs> anybody go for it Matt okay. I can't remember where you want to do them science for lambs and time bandits I thought Ooh. you said science of the lambs then no silence silence of the lambs science of the lambs would you be and, a whole you and game. science it's an obsession <laughs> <laughs> Silence mm. of the Lambs and Time Bandits. Mm. Well, mm. they're... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I know them both well. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs, well, they both involve characters who are getting involved in other characters' situations, in other characters' crimes, <laughs> but I mean, that's... Something that's just standard in any film, really, isn't it? It's got any kind of narrative. Yeah. One of I mean, one of them's locked up, the other one's running away from being <laughs> locked up. But you know, it's not. Really... But they're both about people being drawn into things, mm-hmm. and they're both yeah. so criminals. A they? bit more than a standard film. Silence of the Lambs is about Clarice being drawn into the world of the serial killer. Mm. So it's not they're both just studies about... of evil. Yeah. Well, I don't think Time Bandits is. Uh, it, is. it is. I know it's. Yeah, I know it's it bangs, kind of very. It does bang on about evil at the end quite a lot. It bangs on about evil, but I think Time Bandits is much more like Douglas Adams. It's a study of bureaucracy. Mm. Well, in a way, Silence of the Lambs is a study of bureaucracy as well. Mm, yeah. So there are elements of 
elements of that. So it's both about people being drawn. And I would just say that like it's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just leave that there. We'll listen to this in three years' time after watching these films and going, what were you talking about? Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I've got Star Trek. Oh. As in the the remake? Um, Well. Or, I guess, the motion picture. It's really matter. Well, if we make it the remake. (laughs) Go on, then. Well, so the well, remake... Yeah. That's a the remake rabbit is hole it. thing again, isn't well, it? Well, no, but it's also about, it's also about st- stopping memories. But yeah. it's not. It's about changing history. Yeah. Which Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is kind of like that, but yeah. the other way around. Well, Eternal Sunshine of the... Yeah. So st- Star about... Trek, the reboot, is about changing our memories. Mm. And well, reshaping yeah. our memories. And edi- editing them out. Well, you're talking... Metaphysically, yeah, metaphysically yeah. about one film, about something that's actually on the screen in the other, but yeah, why not? If yeah. it works, yeah. if it gets the connection, I'm trying to think if there's anything connection in the fiction, but I can't barely remember the Star Trek film. I liked it. Yeah, I love we it. talking about the first one, the, yeah, the reboot. No, the, no, reboot. the reboot. Yeah, I did. I thought it was great. Right, there we go. Sunshine. Sunshine. Well, that's good. Lens. Well done, well yeah, done another <laughs> Lots of lens flare. In Star. 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 Sunshine. Wow, I'm really jumbling these <laughs> now. The so clue we don't know is title. You asked me on. We no longer have three pals. We've just got a big pal in the middle. Right, Simon, let's, let's draw. Okay, 28 days later. And sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> what a woo. I told you this is like a movie Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> They're both about rage, aren't they? They're both about being infected with rage. And aren't they? Aren't they both I've, Danny Boyle? We're not allowed to link that. I've had Sunshine on DVD for about four years and still not watched it. Um, it's supposed to be good. I haven't. Mm. I haven't oh, you've it. not seen it? No. Oh, okay. No. I watched Lee, it have and you seen Sunshine. I've seen Sunshine, yeah. In Sunshine, aren't they all getting inf- basically infected with rage? In other words, they're getting infected by the sunshine and they're all going mad up on a spaceship. Because that's not 42, well, but that, Doctor Who, is it? No, no. Sunshine and 42, 42 came yeah. out at the same, same time. time. That's right. But weren't... But 42 hadn't been influenced by Sunshine because nobody no, knew you, Sunshine you, was coming until yeah. they both turned up at the same time. It's the same thing. The sun is... Uh, uh, Infecting uh, them. Uh, they're uh, going uh, mad alive. and killing yeah. each other. That's right. I they're, think. They're also both films with very limited cast for particular reasons. So 28 day, Days Later has like a small central core of cast members because... They're the only survivors. They're the only survivors. Sunshine has a small central core of cast members, including Killian Murphy. Because they're the only ones on this spaceship. In Danny so Boyle's sort of film. film. <laughs> and, and Danny yeah. Boyle's film. Yeah, because he's Cass Killian Murphy because yeah. he was in 28 Days Later yeah. to be in Sunshine. But I think being infected and killing people is mm-hmm. way close enough well, connection well, for that. I think so. Right, I've got two. I've got The Empire Strikes Back and <sighs> Avatar. Oh, dear. Well, right. one made me <clears throat> fall asleep. Um, oh, are we allowed to guess which one? <laughs> um, well, go on. go on. You could argue that they've both got undeserved reputations, depending on your viewpoint. Oh, well, he's looking at me when he's I'm looking that. at you. Yeah, but e- equally, I gave Empire Strikes Back like eight out of ten. Yeah, it's a great film, but but I don't think it's the pinnacle. But of is Star it Wars. the best Star Wars film? Yeah, but really. also, I mean, what I like about Star, Tra- is Star Wars is it creates brilliant worlds. Yeah. So every time you go to a world, it's got an entire society already built and, and made, and I can believe it. Um, Avatar is the same deal. It was a, it created a beautiful world, whatever you think of the film. 
a three D experience in that world was quite amazing. Blew me away. Yeah, but so, the first time yeah, I saw blown away. No, second I saw, time I saw it, I did fall asleep. I <laughs> yeah. saw it in the cinema in 3D. And I think it's one of those films where if you don't see it in the cinema in 3D, yeah. you just don't, don't bother. Don't. Like Gravity, you just don't. I saw Avatar in 2D on DVD and I thought it was all right. Yeah. I don't think it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. They both have loads of people floating around in tanks. <laughs> Avatar does. does. I tell you, here's the connection between the two. In a way, Avatar does what James Cameron does nowadays, which is that it's got a quite a simple storyline, and he doesn't, for all the amount of time he spends in that world, doesn't really go very deeply into any of the characters, doesn't really put a lot of flesh on the bones of it, which is kind of ironic given that it's Avatar. But Empire Strikes Back, the Star Wars films, I think are guilty also in some ways, of the same thing. I don't think that, that that first trilogy, I think their archetypes, Han Solo, Leia, Luke, I don't think you really get a huge amount of the psychology of those characters. So I think they're both films in which there's a facade of depth, but actually if you scratch away on the, underneath the surface, they're both just telling really simple stories. Yeah, there's yeah. a sort of a, there's a similarity in the way it, it reacts to spirituality in both. So Avatar is about something, some sort of <clears throat> spirituality that's Actually in the trees and in people's yeah. moves. And the Empire Strikes Back, obviously, the Force in Star Wars is about the same thing. Oh, and, all, and you've got all the Dagobah stuff in yeah. Empire Strikes Back. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, you've got Luke going to Yoda and learning there, and you've got mm. the guy in Avatar. Yeah, which was, which Avatar. was um, actually the same planet, wasn't it? So Avatar and uh, Yoda. Yes, they? Avatar yeah. sat on the planet Dagobah, Lee. That's, that's right. right. That's what I thought. Right, somebody choose a couple of cards. Matt, let's go. Pan's Labyrinth. With the Dave. day the Earth stood still. Uh, do you know what I was just about to say? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right, Pan's Labyrinth. Mm, there's, there's nothing there. Well, no, there's <laughs> a sort of a 19... There's a 1950... So there's something about Pan's Labyrinth that's, that's kitsch in part. So Del Toro is obsessed with like the 1950s. We know that. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's there's that uber reality yeah. kind of side to both of these films, and then mm. there's a kind of a, a massive, weird, fantastical element that enters that world. Yeah, and smash it a bit, doesn't it? So, and they've also got. <laughs> so is the the is day? So then we get the day the Earth stood still. Is that the one with the the robot with the funny name? Yeah. Who, who turns out? That's yeah. Cartier. 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 Yeah. That's it, what he says. And is he not a baddie? He's kind of a harbinger. Something. Yeah, Gort. Like Gort. So he's, he's and he's a harbinger or something. Well, he comes to give a warning. He says to mankind, "Stop doing what you're doing, otherwise." And if I remember Pan's Labyrinth, there are there are characters in there that look like monsters, but actually some of them are just harbingers or just guides. Yeah, and it does. It shows humans up for being more monstrous, monstrous than yeah, the people, yeah. the other people in the film, the other fantastical creatures in the film. Yeah, are we all struggling with this? No, I thought it was quite no. good. Psychopomps. No, I mean just in general. Simon, you pick one, and I'll pick I one. It's, it's my favourite hey. word. I've got the shining. Hey, and I've got gravity. Ooh. Mm. Uh. Well, you could argue they're both spectacle over substance, but I like the shining, <laughs> so I wouldn't well. do that. Well, the shining is far from my favourite Kubrick oh, okay. and I think it's only good because of his changes to the novel I think it's my favourite Kubrick really? Um, yeah I did watch it recently and I think I think Stephen King has a point that Jack Nicholson 
starts mad and doesn't have much room to go any madder through the film. So, so can we in The Shining? Yeah, is he being haunted, or is it hallucinations? Well, it's kind That's of good point. because gravity. Yeah, yeah it's so there's a, there's a kind of uh, an ambiguity. If you watch the three-hour Shining, though, the American cut. Oh. oh. Yeah, oh no, the American Cut spells it out. The Which... American Cut or the miniseries? No, the American yeah. Cut of The Shining. Is there an American Cut? Well, Stanley Kubrick, with many of his films, would do a first cut, mm. which would go out to a couple of cinemas. Yeah. Because this was, a lot of these were before films were widely released. Yeah. So the first cut would go to a couple of cinemas. He'd see what the reaction was. And then he changed the film. So he trimmed it. He trimmed. There was a there was a an episode about... in the film and a <clears throat> prologue. I know. No, I no, no. That. Much more than that. Okay. For example, Full Metal Jacket. There's actually an hour missing from the middle of that film. Right. It goes it, as it is now. It goes from that first hour with Ali Ermi straight hmm. into the basically straight into the last hour where they have that trek until they meet the girl. Right. But in the original cut of Full Metal Jacket, you had the first hour with Ali Ermi. You had an hour in the middle where they did their first manoeuvre in mm. country. And then you went to the trek to yeah. see the girl at the end. So it was a three-hour film. And he just literally scissored out. But The, the Shining hour. wasn't that. It wasn't a three-hour. It was a... Double, double it went from two and a half hours to an hour and 50 minutes. Wow. Okay. But part of that is because of the difference in the frame rate between America and the UK on so, home video media so there's actually about half an hour cut okay. but the half an hour that he cut out of The Shining which is bits of scenes all the way through actually spells it out at the end that he's being haunted rather than it being all in his own head oh, that's a shame. I think I but you can, you can still see that in the film because Wendy sees the ghosts as well she has yes. a vision of the guy in the yeah. dog mask yeah. Yeah. and the guy in the, with the well, like you said you just said visions head. you see so you're yeah. tempted to say hallucination well, there's always. That's the we, point about yeah. horror films. Quite often, there's ambiguity. Not anymore. JL spoke it. <laughs> Just don't watch the American uh, cut. But but there's less ambiguity with gravity. No, but there's there's a. But there's still visions. Yeah, but there's a lot of gravity. Yeah, there are ghosts in Gravity and Ghosts in The Shining. All right, that All right. I was going to say the central female actors both mm. went through hell making them as well. Mm. Um, yeah, but Sandra I Bullock. mean. This is always said about The Shining because of that one scene in that documentary, but we don't know what it was like the rest of the time. She's never she's mm. never moaned about it, I don't mm. think. So it's hard to really say. We've got that one scene, and people have extrapolated that her entire six month Probably. experience on The Shining was like much that. worse time than Popeye. <clears throat> oh yeah, anybody would. It's the worst film I've ever seen. Next to Loch Ness. Blair Witch Project, and. American Werewolf in London. Okay, Lee, it's all on yours. What? Your Blair Witch Project's your favourite film. None of the rest of us can stand it's, it. Is Blair Witch Project your favourite? No, no, it's not. It's, I thought it was one of the best horror films ever made at the time, simply because I didn't know it was a horror film. Somebody told me it was a documentary. So I absolutely cacked myself. It was a good event. Yeah, it was an amazing event. It I was haven't spoiled, seen it spoiled entirely by being hyped before it got right. to Britain. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're both horror films. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
They're both about the changes that are wrought on people. The Blair Witch Project, when it comes down to it... Just, just, uh, Lee's self-destruct mechanism is just activated, <laughs> so we're going to have to take cover. But it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's teenagers again, isn't it? But uh, whether it's saying anything about them... Folk horror. ...with the chain. Um, Blair Witch Project Folk is about horror. sticking a bunch of actors in a situation, not really telling them what's going on, and they have to change with the film according to the stimulus that's being given. And obviously American Werewolf in London is about a central character who changes during the course of the film. Okay, that's a bit tenuous. There's also, but... there's also they've both got sort of, they've both got kind of mythology, or staple mythologies at the centre of which, and yeah, the werewolf, werewolf yeah. and they, they add technology to that. So the Blair Witch Project, they add camcorders film camera, to that. Yeah. And then American Werewolf in London, it's full of it's it's kind of starts in rural yeah. but then it moves into the, the city London. so the best scene in that is the chase through the underground oh, and that's kind of modernism with the werewolf that's one of the spookiest things I've ever it's seen fantastic. as a kid right really I've good. got two this is going to be fun I've got Psycho and Kroll oh my god <laughs> <laughs> they've both got sharp implements in them that hurt yes <laughs> I don't think I've seen Kroll since the 1980s I can't remember Kroll at all I don't think I've seen Kroll What's Kroll? Uh, Vaguely. It's the one with the, I get confused the between that and Legend. With the spinny spinny thing that yeah. he throws. Okay, that... It's Kroll. That, now it's coming don't, back don't to get me. Mixed up with, <laughs> don't get mixed up with Hawk the Dragon Slayer. Hey? Hawk the Slayer? Hawk the Slayer, that's yeah. it. Not Dragon Slayer. No, I'm trying to remember <laughs> No, Dragon Slayer's another film that's yeah. very bad. So long since I've seen Kroll, I really honestly barely remember a thing about it. I can't remember it. who's in it. But I'm trying to think, thematically, what's Psycho about? It's about a character who doesn't know who he is. Mm. And about... I mean, three different people end up investigating him before they find out. Is there anything like that in Kroll? It's It's the beast, isn't it, is the main... But the character, the lead character you follow in Kroll, is he like... I don't know, so I'm spitballing here. Is he like the hero who doesn't know he's the hero? So is he the antithesis of Norman I'm fairly sure he's like a chosen one. Or has he stolen money from a bank? (laughs) (laughs) And then does he die halfway through the film? If he's a chosen one, essentially that's Norman Bates, who's chosen by his mother to carry on his legacy. I was trying to think if there was a mother issue as well with with Kroll. (laughs) All right, let's carry on then. Go on, what have you got, Lee? Saw... (laughs) <laughs> Willy, Wonka, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, well, they're both set inside factories. Yeah. Yay, yeah. that'll do. Right, next. <laughs> have you seen Saw? It's I have. It's brilliant. Good. It's film. good. Mm. I've got Blade Runner and The Evil Dead. Well, they're both about the tr- terrors of technology. Wasn't aren't they both released the same year? Probably not. Well, Evil Dead is about a book, you open it and demons come out of it. Blade Runner is not a book, it's technology. But essentially, in Blade Runner, you have mankind has created his own demons and has to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And Evil Dead does that on a smaller scale. They both tell the same story. Mankind creates technology, stroke, a book. You open the book, you open the technology, you've got to deal with what happens after that. Is it also possible that they both became much more popular in the video age? They mm. did. Was it how popular was the Evil Dead when it was, or was the Evil Dead more Evil about Dead sort of two grindhouse the, um, cinema? Evil Dead Two is the more popular, but this, right. was, yeah. th- this was the video nasty age. I think this yeah. probably caused 
all of that kind of burning of um, horror right. videos and things yeah. in the early eighties. Well, that was child. Well, that was child's play as well. But also, they neither no, child's of them, play was after. Neither was of after? them were particularly okay. uh, big in the box office, were they? No, that's but what became I cult hits. Yeah, even though it was tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll pick another couple, shall I? I just didn't. I just pick those two. No, okay. I didn't. Who cares? Silent Running, hey. Flash Gordon. Both got spaceships. spaceships. Flash Gordon. Oh. It feels like there's connections between. <laughs> there should be, shouldn't there? Um, are they both about a quest to? No. Are they both <laughs> about a quest to save life, just in general? In a in a way, in some well, kind yeah, of to save the earth. Flash Gordon's got to save the Earth, hasn't he? Um, you know, and they're being attacked by weather, <laughs> bad weather. Well, isn't think. that essentially Silent Running? Yes, and in fact, there's. I think in Silent Running, don't they get hit by a meteorite storm? Mm. I'm right, mm. and uh, you've you've got a similar thing happening in Flash Gordon in the opening scenes. It's about as good as it gets. Both using songs in the soundtrack. Well, a meteorite yes. storm in Silent Running is metaphorically a weather condition in space. Space weather. What's the Silent Running song? It's Joni Mitchell, is it? Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. No. It, it makes me cry every blinking time. When he's in the garden watering. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Flash Gordon's got Queen. Are there any robots in Flash Gordon who die and leave people crying? <laughs> <laughs> no, but when... Yeah, no. All right, pick a card, Lee. <laughs> pick two, Lee. You've not picked two for a while. Oh, Poltergeist dark and the Dark Crystal. Whoa, similar dark age crystal. films again, aren't they? Who directed the Dark Crystal? Oh, um, I did know that. It's just slipped from my brain. It was Jim Henson, wasn't it? Was it? Is it Jim Henson film? Whether or not he directed it. It sounds like we've got some doubt about who directed yeah. the Dark Crystal. Because there's doubt, (laughs) (laughs) because there's doubt about going right into that one. There we go. Yeah, Yeah. Tobe Hooper was the director of Poltergeist, but there was a lot of talk at the time saying that Steven Spielberg, who was the producer on it, had Mm. directed Mm. it. So directed a large part of it. I would say that The Dark Crystal is more frightening than it should be. Oh no! I've just thought of a massive connection between the pair of them. What about the good and evil thing? No. Poltergeist, it transpires that the reason the house is haunted. So, in other words, it has nothing to do with poltergeists at all, but it's just about ordinary ghosts. Because if you know poltergeists, you know what poltergeists are? Yeah. That's... Restless spirits. Well... Mm. Telekinetic. Telekinesis, yeah. yeah. So, but poltergeist is actually just about regular ghosts, because the house that they're in is built, built on top of an old Indian burial ground, so basically, the events of Poltergeist are being controlled by people underneath the ground. Ah. The Dark Crystal. There we go. Puppets, Simon, puppets. Oh, I see. Right. It's all about... There's that bit in The Shining where <laughs> they, pup- they briefly mention the fact that the Overlook's built on an ancient Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah, they do actually, don't they? And it's just that snippet in the film. And I think in the in the book yeah. they go into a lot more detail about it, but that's just snippet in the film, and it's become such a cliche now. Good link. <laughs> Ancient yes. Indian burial grounds, puppets, <laughs> puppets, yeah. puppet skeletons in both. I've got Forbidden Planet. Ooh, and I've got Gattaca. Underrated film. Um, yeah, they're both about 
Oh, it's about uh, tampering with science, nature, nature. Mm, yeah, they're both about societies that have become so clinical. One of them is well, both of them really. It's in a sort of a psychological way as well. But in Forbidden Planet, Old Morbius, he creates this entirely antiseptic world, doesn't he? And then when the spaceship arrives. That sort of the whole thing with the id, isn't it? It's mm. him who's creating yeah. it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's an antiseptic world he's built, and it's the the fight between the ego and the id is because mankind. But essentially, it's saying mankind can't deal with things being that antiseptic. You have to have balance. So they're both about the balance between science and nature. Yeah. Hang mm. mm. on. <clears throat> Right, Simon, draw. 2001. A matter of life and death. Oh, mm. snooze fests. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Both on JR's Desert Island Discs. Yeah. Go well, on, then. Go on, Jura. Off you go. Okay, they're both about... Uh, they're both about a trial. They're both... And they're both about... Life and death. Sorry, go on. They're both about an evolutionary ascent. Okay. And I don't know. That's that's pretty good. Should we go with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they are. Yeah. I think we can move on. Unless you want me to. Uh, you could probably enjoy explain both more, but drugs. we might as well All do right. another couple okay. of Night of the Living Dead and Coraline. <laughs> <laughs> zombies. Yeah, zombies. Coraline's filled with zombies, isn't mm. it? Mm. Are we going to go any further? <laughs> oh, do you want to start whipping through these really quickly? I'm just really interested to see what the next one is. All right. So but... Lee's getting overexcited. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Good grief. Okay, I'll pick out two. I've got Hellboy and Big. They're both big. Next. Big Hellboy. Big boy. <laughs> big boy Hell. No, um, they're both about people who are one person and then there's somebody else, aren't they? Or are they? I don't know. Uh, yeah, because Hellboy. Hellboy is, is supposed Doesn't to he be... Change? He's from Hell and he's supposed to be not good, but they saw he saws his horns off and um, doesn't he force himself to be good or something like mm. that? He's created by the Nazis and, mm. and Hell or something. So um, basically... So he has he's, changed. But he's also... He's, because he's come from Hell, then he has to be given physical form on earth right mm. so he's in a body that's not his body i presume and he's also an outsider which is what happens in big mm. isn't it yeah well big the obvious thing yeah. is he's in not a body that's not his body isn't he yeah all right somebody choose two more good actor times, bad then. actor okay we have avengers assemble Ooh. and spirited away Ooh, oh for simon okay Go on, oh Simon. The god. floor is yours. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Avengers Assembly. It's the one in school, isn't it? Um, hey? The one set in school, Avengers Assembly. Um, ooh. <laughs> this is really tricky. Joe, you need to put some music on here that kind of like might be similar to the sound of the Simon's Thomas brain. The Thomas the Tank Engine thing. I'm trying to think of the themes of Avengers Assemble, apart from the fact that they all. Well, what happens in Spirit of the Way? Well, essentially, a girl's parents are turned into pigs and she has to go into the, the land of the spirits in order to uh, 
get them turned back again. So well, she that's goes... pretty much the plot of Avengers Assemble, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, she then goes to a place that is like a fantasy realm. Mm. And Avengers Assemble is about people who should be in a fantasy realm coming into the real world. But also, it's it's Tony Stark's first real voyage into the fantasy realm as well, because he takes himself up into the... Oh, that's true, yeah. The so there is a... Where the, we, we first see aliens in the Avengers kind of world. It, yeah, the so weird, his weird world side. suddenly expands and he thinks, yeah. oh, hang on, I'm not quite as important as I think, thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Got to rest his ego and save the world. Grab one, Lee, and I'll grab one. Okay. I've got the Stepford Wives. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got Conan the Barbarian. It's a great t- team-up movie. <laughs> the Stepford wow. Barbarians. Conan the Wife. There's a way it... Uh, there's something oh, about the depiction of women in... Uh, yes. How are women depicted in Conan yes. the Barbarian? That's strong. Basically, like the men, to be honest with you. There is a witch in Conan the Barbarian. She is a temptress. She tempts him in. And as he's making love to her, Mm. she turns into... Snake? No. No, she's not the one who turns into the snake. What does she do? Well, maybe she does turn into a snake, because there's a big thing in Conan about snakes. Happened to all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why do you think Matt's so tall? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the plot of Conan is about this guy who was it's essentially one of those born to be king, had it all taken away from him, was a slave. had to fight his way back kind of things. But if you look at what that story arc is, it's about a character who believes he should be more than he is, changing the uh, changing the situation around him to bend his what's the word I'm looking for not Destiny. situation no no your environment changes in Conan the Barbarian is about Conan changes in changing his environment to feed his ego okay. Stepford Wives is about men who change their environments to feed their ego oh. mm. uh, and the Stepford, Stepford Wives painted a bit as kind of house slaves or am I getting that wrong Sorry, Conan was a slave as well. They kind of there's a yes, but Stepford Wives is the other way around. Yes, yes, but yes. All right, why not? I think man was better. <laughs> With that voice, you win. Okay, come on, somebody pick two more. Thor Ragnarok, hooray! And, and the fifth, fifth element. Fifth element. Uh, well, actually, both great extremely visually vivid, aren't they? Yeah, and quite irreverent as well. So there's a sort they of are. a oh yeah, a game. Contemporary music playing mm-hmm. quite a large part in the lots of comedy throughout both. Yeah, like you say, um, great costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want they, to carry on? They've both got non-American directors. So Thor Ragnarok is. Oh, I said we couldn't use directors. It's true. Got, we can't yeah. use them if it's You've the same you. director. But so okay. connecting right. directors. That Luke Besson Psycho Rikiki. Yes. Yes. So there's a and they both bring an element of their non-Americanness to the mm. so you Definitely. can see the kind of flight of the Concords-ness in Thor Ragnarok yeah, in the yeah. humour and you can see Luc Besson's French nuttiness yes you in can the fifth element. and they both without giving away the ending of Thor there's that big the whole thing is about the 
They've got a using the elements. Thing. No, no, using the elements. <laughs> yes. And finding yes. The, the power from the elements. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's That's good, good, All right, Lee, I've got one. You pick one. Okay. Wicked Ray Belt, this world. Excalibur. Oh, no, no, it's gone. Okay, so you've got Excalibur and the fly. Oh, good God. <laughs> There um, was a fly that lands on Merlin's nose and Excalibur. No, no, no. They're both. So, they're oh, both yeah, go on, Simon, you say. Well, there's a carnal thing. Oh, okay, that's where I was going. <laughs> isn't there? Well, there, there is, isn't there? Because well, yeah. she gets impregnated, isn't she, in the mm-hmm. fly? And, and They're both about people who are born to be one thing, but end up being something else. And there's also something more than that. So Brundle, when he, when he starts becoming the fly, becomes this kind of... Like you say, he he his libido increases mm. and he becomes more powerful because he's gone through this transformation and that eventually corrupts him. Mm. And with Excalibur, it's the drawing of the sword. Not so much libido, but there's certainly power. Hey, in it. drawing of the sword yeah, is a exactly. sexual yeah. metaphor. Yeah, there's that scene with Morgan, isn't it? Morgan, 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 Morgan. Yeah, is that the Helen where she dis- she disguises herself as mm. somebody else to sleep with Arthur, doesn't she? Presumably uh, Guinevere. Hmm. I'd guess. Yeah. Oh. So there's there sex, go. disguise, metamorphosis. And then have that oh. creepy kid with a little gold mask going around going, ee, ee. Matt, you picked two. <laughs> I've got it. Hooray. And I've got the sixth sense. Are you sure it's not IT? <laughs> it's oh. The sixth sense. Well, they're both about children being haunted by <laughs> Stephen King yeah. type things. Yeah. Well, yeah, children seeing dead people. Yes, that's the obviously. Okay, okay let's move on. Yeah, is, is it is the clown dead or is he a creature from somewhere else that well, the, the, assimilates the, to something the kids should like to see? Moving on, I have okay. the ring and Batman. That Batman's sounds, ring sounds like right. you've got a problematic disease. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got a touch of the ring. Oh, the pile's getting smaller, though. It's getting very small. Holy ring, Batman. I, love the I way wasn't you intending the... for us to get through all of them, but to be honest, how long have we been going? Because four the... hours? No, about an hour. So, I don't know, maybe if we carry on. I love the way you went from the ring to the pile, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, that would be. Being... Which Batman are we talking about? Well, I'm guessing the Timber. Yeah. Mm. Right. So. I, I wrote these cards. What do I mean? I'm guessing. Yes, it was the Tim Burton one. It doesn't really matter. Okay, but yes. Both of them, the uh, most interesting thing about them is the foe. The evil. Okay. Yeah. It should have been called the Joker, shouldn't it? Because that was the most interesting thing in it. In the Tim Burton one, yeah. Mm. Well, mine's Batman in general, isn't it? Um, they're both origin stories for franchise, but that's just like standard for a first film in what turns out to be a series. But they were quite tele- groundbreaking in their own way, weren't they? Because Batman was the first real dark superhero film properly on screen and The Ring was kind of one of the first real dark Japanese horror films to break was out. Dark, wasn't Dark Man before Batman? Dark Man. Dark Man. Batman was 89. Dark Man was 93. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Batman's fun. They both yeah. feature scenes towards the end where you finally get a big extended flashback to how the villain became the villain, don't mm. they? Okay. I don't know, but that's just fairly standard as well. I suppose it's not that standard that you'd actually get an extended flashback of it. But okay, I've got Robocop and I've got Metropolis. Oh, okay. It's about robots, then, isn't it? 
Well, it's about the, the same almost. It's about an idealized future that turns out not to be idealized Very through good. technology. Yeah. All right, Lee, you bingo, pick a card. Bingo. I've got Heaven Can Wait. Song by Iron Maiden. Mm. Doctor Strange Love. Gee, you have that one. <laughs> Heaven Can Wait is Warren Beatty. Yeah. Um, comes is back it a to good Earth film, though? To... I can't remember. No, Heaven Can Wait. I remember, I remember seeing wait. it, quite liking it. Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen it's it a for very good 30 film. odd years or something. Um, Doctor Strange Love. Does anybody have wings in Doctor Strange Love? Well, he flies off on his um, nuclear bomb at the end. Is <laughs> he about to get dropped somewhere? So they are both about an apocalypse. One a personal apocalypse, the other one a global apocalypse. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Doctor Strange Love really is about the insanity of um, what's he called? The um, Doctor Strange Love? No, 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 no. Oh. The um, the general. Oh. Um, uh, General, uh, General Major? No, no. it's not Catch Twenty Two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't remember his name. But yeah, really, it's about his madness. I want to say Frankenfurter, but it's not. No. <laughs> is is Heaven and Wait a satire? Or is it more a kind of screwball com- Ripper? Com- Neither really. Ripper, General Ripper. Oh, General Jack D. Ripper. Yeah, that's it. Yes. No, Heaven Can Wait is quite a. I thought it's quite a sweet film, really. Mm. I don't know. Let's move on. Mm. They're both in black. I don't think any of us can no. remember Heaven Can Wait well enough to. No. Uh... Oh, okay, I've got Keep two. Just... All I can see is the poster and the. Hey, I've got the thing and Don't Look Now. You should have said the other way around. Don't look now. The well, thing. Don't Look Now is one of the greatest films ever made, apart from the first five minutes. What's wrong with the first five minutes? Ah, uh, dragging a dead girl out of a. I just can't handle watching that. That's the point. I know. It? I couldn't, that's watch sort of I, I couldn't watch it when I didn't have a chance. So what it says, don't look now. Oh, yeah, I should have looked at it. Yeah. But you, you, you got beyond that and saw the rest of the film, did you? I, I love the short story by Daphne du Maurier, mm. which is brilliant. Yeah, I prefer the film. Um, they're both about people who are in an environment that is kind of, in a way, hostile. Mm-hmm. In other words, Venice is... The city built on the water, so physically it has a hostility that cities don't normally have. And it's like a labyrinth. Yeah, plus of course they're in a foreign country with a foreign language, so although that's not hostile per se, it's another element that's against them. So they're kind of about people in hostile environments. And then also a healthy, a healthy a dose psych- of paranoia. Yeah, there's a lot of psychological... Mm, less so in the less so in the thing. <laughs> well, because there's that wonderful scene where they're all sitting down, they don't know who they're sitting next to, which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, um, then somebody pick a. Also, couple they're both uh, both based on short stories. We oh, have, nice. yeah. Oops. Minority Report. Yeah. Jason and the Argonauts. <laughs> <laughs> Jr. What are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean? What am I doing? God. Jason um, and the Argonauts. Oh God. Wow, uh, is there a link at all in that one? Um, is Jason and the Argonauts is that got gods in it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. gods looking down on the action and occasionally influence. Is them. Jason yes. is Minority yes. Report about police that have become have got, godlike God-like powers by and are starting to look at the actions and yeah. controlling them? Isn't Jason yeah. kind of framed in a certain respect? Isn't he sent on the quest because they think he's going to fail? 
Oh, I'm just trying to think, and what happens to Tom Cruise's character in some respects? He's kind of framed yeah. by the system he's working for. And isn't but, that a little bit like Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, okay, this pile is getting quite small now. Lee, do you want to catch one? Yeah, okay. Oh God, couldn't we have had this one two minutes ago? Didn't we just have Inception? Yeah, we've got Inception twice. Right, I tell you oh, what. Have we? Yeah, I'm, I'm not having that. Well, okay. Groundhog Day. If only it was Groundhog Day. That would be right, so, so what do we got? Why don't you just put three Groundhog Days in? That would have been genuinely. <laughs> can you can you repeat that three times? Yeah, anyway. Clash of the Titans and Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Well, Clash of the Titans has a Prometheus. A Prometheus? I don't know. In a way, well, it has. It so has about. It has. Um, it has a Creatures made, mm. made yes. and brought to life. Golems in the book. Yes, yeah. And actually, when Mary Shelley was writing Frankenstein, she was reading things like Shakespeare and all that at the time. And one of the um, influences was uh, Caliban. Okay. There we go. Influences on Clash of the Titans. Well, Clash of the Titans has got Caliban in it. A Caliban of sorts. Okay. It's called that. Are you just saying that now? Send words. They won't think in my head. But they are essentially both about golems coming back and biting you on the ass. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dear Mary. Have you read Frankenstein? Yeah. It's very different from the film. Yeah. Which film? Well, it's close. Um, what's his face? Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Brown is yeah. the closest. War of the Worlds and Halloween. Good grief. Was Small Town? Small Town. Is this the Tom Cruise version of the film? Or the original? Or the original. Either way, there's a sort of parochialness. So there's a small town that's kind of sleepy, that this thing descends on it. One is Michael Myers and one, the other is... Aliens. Yeah, aliens. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Michael Myers really just descend on a single house? Or am I just thinking of the last star of the movie? I, I, he must be in several houses, because you can't have too many murders in one house. It would become ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, So he yeah. must like go through a few... I always just think, when I think of Halloween, all I can really see is... Jamie Lee Curtis in that house at the end, and I just keep and it, I don't know, it's just stuck with me. That's the mm. whole movie. Obviously, it can't mm. be. Um, <clears throat> They've both got horrors behind the mask. There's a medical element in both. Halloween, he's been pursued. Michael Myers has been pursued by his doctor. War of the Worlds, they're pursued by a medical condition that finishes them off. <sighs> Oh, I like it. Moving on. That's a good one. No, that works. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Good yeah. God. Okay, I've the got Johnny Darker. Johnny Darker and Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, oh, well yeah. yeah, they're both about fantasy impinging upon reality, really, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay. They're both about an event that sort of ripples out. Yeah. As far as I can remember, isn't yeah. Donny Darko about... Yeah. Oh, a plane crash. crash. Yeah. A plane crash. And this, yeah. and this both contains a scene with a bedroom in it. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> I've got Rosemary's Baby. Go on. Oh, yeah. And Edward Scissorhands. Oh. Uh. You thought there might be a link there. Well, there's a, no, there is a sim. So there's another kind of gothic, about, gothic, but in a, an American, well, what about American, isola- isolation? traditional American location. So with Edward yeah. Scissorhands, you've got an idealised small town. Okay. Um, and you've got the old gothic element. In Rosemary's Baby, you've got basically the Chrysler building. Well, no, there's something really obvious there. The is that they're both about people who can't have children having children that aren't their children. 
Okay. Yeah. Because Edward Scissorhands is yeah. about the boy who's created by the man who can't have children. Right. And Rosemary's Baby is about this couple who can't have children and become impregnated with the devil. Okay. He's suddenly woken up. Yeah. No. <laughs> it was just there was a really obvious one there. And then there were none. The Wizard of Oz. Um... <laughs> Carnival's coming to town. Is and then there were, what's and then there were none. Is that the one about the Agatha circus Christie, coming? Ted Leo. That's an Agatha Christie one. Okay. What's the one about the circus coming to town? Based on um, not Ray Bradbury. Oh, well, oh something wicked this well, way comes. Oh, yeah. Carry um, on. Yeah. The story's moved along by a murder. Mm. Okay. Well, well, not a murder <clears> as such, but you know. Well, well, no, there's something is. really obvious there as well. All of the characters in whatever version of And Then There Were None are not the person that they are when they're not on the island. They all come to the island and they all pretend to be somebody else. Or rather, oh, see, they all yeah. disguise their crime. They all pretend not to be the person who killed the cr- committed the crime. Mm. In The Wizard of Oz, when they're in Oz, as opposed to in real life... So, in other words, when they're on the island, the wizard, the cowardly... Not the wizard, the cowardly lion. Well, yes, the wizard, in fact, as it goes. Mm, The mm. wizard, the cowardly lion, the tin man, the scarecrow, they're all not the person that they are in real life. Is there one person in And Then There Were None that is an honest, truthful person all the way through? Uh, It depends which version you watch. Right. Because in some of the versions, yes, but in the book and in the versions that stick closer to the book, no. Uh-huh. So a dog in each one. <laughs> right, Lee is right. picking Goldfinger and Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> they both got great theme tunes. They both got lasers. Oh, they're not really a laser, though, is it? What the protonic, proton accelerator? Yes, that's mm, not a laser. Okay. It's okay. a proton accelerator. Okay, thank you. <laughs> don't, you, don't you know anything, Mark? They've both got scenes with. One of the characters lying on their back with something weird coming up between their legs. <laughs> What's the scene in Ghostbusters with that one? There's no, the, you're just there's the apparition, isn't there, that undoes his fly? Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Does yeah. anybody get covered in gold paint in Ghostbusters or anything like they that? They got covered in marshmallow. They yeah, both got fridges. They both got fridges. Yeah, right, <laughs> Goldfinger goes to a fridge. I can't on the remember plane. what happens in Goldfinger. Isn't that rubbish? Apart from the They don't play golf in Ghostbusters, do they? (laughs) Let's move on. We've got an odd number now. I must have had Inception on two different lists. Planet of the Apes and The Haunting. (laughs) God. Is there a haunted monkey? (laughs) Um, They both had crap remakes. True. But The Haunting is about... The character we follow in The Haunting is about somebody who's running away from something Mm. and finds what they think they want to find, but then discovers that that thing is actually the thing that kills them. So it's not really what they... It's like somebody running away from a bad place to a utopia and discovering that the utopia is just as rotten as the bad place and becomes their undoing. Which is the story also of Charlton Heston's character in The Planet of the Apes. So although none of those things actually connect, it has a similar trajectory. Mm. Unless anybody's got anything more. 
I'm going to tell you, I really want to watch all of these films. <laughs> right, I am no choosing no Dracula. Dracula and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Well, there you go. Um, well, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not quite as simple, but yeah, well, the, they're both about feeding off other beings. They're both and they're both about invasive. changing people as well. Yeah, yeah feeding fear of, off and changing. Fear yeah. of being, yeah, turned into something... Else. They have been invaded by but something. Partic- particularly the proper versions of, or the full versions of Dracula. So the book is definitely more about the people Dracula affects and changes than about Dracula himself. Okay, we've the got film that's about. five cards left. So I'm going to get Lee to pick mm-hmm. two of the five. And then we're going to have, seeing as we've got an odd number, the last three as the big finale. We've got to find something to connect all three. Good luck with that. Day the Earth Caught Fire and Barbarella. (laughs) Well, I'm stripping off clothes. I I just seem to there's a theme in my comments this evening. (laughs) It really is. Day the Earth Caught Fire. Um, They're both B movies. (laughs) Um, Um, The Day the Earth Caught Fire is about discovering something. So, in the day the Earth caught fire, it's about the newspaper reporters who realise that the sun is, I can't remember if it's blowing up or we're getting closer, falling into it. Either way, it's about discovering something, and Barbarella is about Barbarella discovering her sexuality. So, again, that's quite a long way away from each other, but there is Mm. kind of a thematic thrust. And they've both got really good crap performances in them, because there's... Is it the editor in the day the Earth caught fire? The guy with glasses. Mm. He talks like that. You go over there. I'll stay here and answer the phone. <laughs> <He's> absolutely, <laughs> I actually remember that. He's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Okay. Here's the big finale. We've got three cards left, and this we have to the, connect all three. The big finale. Yeah. Oh, shut up, Matt. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Philosopher's okay. Stone. The Wicker Man. Hey. The Conjuring. Oh, that's What's the are? Conjuring? It's the one by James Wan who did the saw. It's basically a exorcist type thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's ritual in every one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I is mean, there's a, is there a connection with um, uh, he who must not be named? You can't remember his name. Um, they're all about people. He's possessed. He who... the teacher, isn't he? Voldemort. Voldemort. Yeah. They're all you about Voldemort's in all of them. Oh yeah, possibly. They're all about people in alien landscapes, in a way, mm-hmm. in that the Wicker Man is set on the island that he thinks is just regular United Kingdom and turns out not to be. Harry Potter is set in this sort of bottle yeah. universe, whatever it is, at the school. The Conjuring is about a family who moves into a house expecting it to be a normal house, only to discover that it's a house possessed by the devil. So they're all about... They're, Ordinary they're all, landscapes changing into alien landscapes. They're all about micro societies as well. Yeah, true, true. Uh, I think that's good. Yeah, that's that's fine. Fine. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, isn't it? If you're an American, we're not Americans. No, but you've got American no, listeners. Noticed this? We've got American listeners. I don't know. Actually, have we? We've got an Australian listener. Yeah, not quite this. <laughs> right, that's it. That concludes. Right. Film Snap. Wow. Next time I'm going to be doing a pile of romantic comedies, a pile of war films, and a pile of nature documentaries. (laughs) I can go with that. (laughs) 
Next week, we will, unless things change, but as things stand, next week we'll be talking about The Girl Who Waited as we continue on through Series 6. But until then, I was JR. I was Lee. I was Matt. And I was Simon. And we'll speak again soon. That go okay? <laughs>